But when you're floating out at sea, you know, as a founder, where uh, that's kind of what it feels like. You're you know exposed to the elements. You don't know how to really swim. Sharks are circling. You know, a community like that is sort of like a raft, <laughs> right, of of survivors and other fellow travelers. And truly, you know, in those first three years of building a company, every day is going to be the best day or the worst day of your life. And so, having those other founders with you, providing that moral support, learning lessons from each other, even in the most mundane of ways, like how do I do these state filings, or how do I, <laughs> where do I find a, an accountant or a bookkeeper? You know, that that's it's imperative. Welcome to Finding Your Venture, episode number 26. Building your community is what matters. When Duo Security sold to Cisco for $2.35 billion, it was basically like the moon landing for the Ann Arbor startup community. Most of us had nothing to do with it, but we remember where we were when we heard about it. Still feel extremely proud and connected to their success. I mean, everybody does. And it's not just the money. I mean, it's how they did it. Every employee had equity. They stayed in Ann Arbor when it must have been really tempting to move to the Valley. They always were present, accessible, went to events, would talk to you like a real person when you met them on the street. And that's really what this episode is about. We're talking to Doug Song about community. What does it mean to invest in your community? And what's the point? Yeah, if you're a gardener and you got to go plant some seeds uh, to you know grow something, you, you got to plant in the most fertile soil right? you can. And, and that's the way I think about this. We exist in an ecosystem. We exist in a symbiotic relationship, right? There's it's like it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a, a healthy and just city to, to build a healthy and hopefully just uh, companies. And so if you think about the potential for our success, it's like Steve Jobs said, you're going to really connect the dots looking forward. You're going to really connect them looking backward. But if I do look back on to a success, it's come out of the things we have done, right? As part of a community to support it. And so from the very start of the business, right, as founders, we found the moral support in a community of founders at the tech brewery. You know, the tech brewery is an old 1800 era, 1880s kind of brewery that we repurposed to be a startup co-op. In effect, of a whole bunch of founders building their teams, companies there, uh, starting at shared desks, growing into small offices, and then eventually kind of graduating. But when you're floating out at sea, you know, <laughs> as a founder, where uh, that's kind of what it feels like. You're you know exposed to the elements. You don't know how to really swim. Sharks are circling. You know, a community like that is sort of like a raft, <laughs> right, of of survivors and other fellow travelers, and and uh, you know, truly, you know, in those first three years of building a company, every day is going to be the best day or the worst day of your life. And so having those other founders with you, providing that moral support, learning lessons from each other, even in the most mundane of ways, like how do I do these state filings or how do I, where do I find a, an accountant or a bookkeeper? You know, that, that's, it's imperative. And so we invested pretty directly ourselves into that community, you know, holding shared events, pooling our resources to buy Diet Coke. Sometimes I feel like, you know, if it weren't for a fridge full of Diet Coke to basically fuel my technical co-founder, co-founder John Oberhide, who literally would drink like ten. You know, there were days you we we actually kept a, a, a running tally on the on the fridge where you'd have to write your name and check off how many Diet Cokes you drank. And there's some days I'd see he literally had like ten Diet Cokes. I'm like, oh my god, you're gonna die. So I don't know. Maybe it's a mixed blessing there, but. But anyway, you know, from the very start, you know, that community was something that really 
kept us afloat in, in so many ways. And for instance, when we'd have investors come through um, to visit any company, they do kind of the run through all the companies very often or hold office hours to meet a bunch. And so again, it was a way to create a gravity well of interest, right? For, for anybody who has sort of startup minded and focused and all that, whether investor, founder, or a uh, or potential teammate. My first office when I moved back to Ann Arbor in 2012 was at the Tech Brewery, and I did feel a sense of community that Doug's talking about there. What I didn't fully understand at the time were the dynamics of the security industry and how that community was actually translating into a competitive advantage for Duo. Information security, you know, the industry that we're in is, is not very... It's not very nice <laughs> sort of community in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of people, you know, literally it's adversarial, right? I, I sort of grew up on both sides of it, both offense and defense. And as they call it, white hats and black hats. And for a number of us, sort of in the middle, you know, kind of gray. But I mean, it's literally sort of an adversarial sort of endeavor. And uh, there's a culture there that that is some, sometimes some, somewhat difficult, right? I'd argue it might even be, be, you know, related or at least maybe relevant, right, to the, the current moment where we, we see this happening with law enforcement, as is law enforcement in the U.S. was militarized. They went from being kind of guardians to warriors, right? Because when you give people instruments of war, well, they go to war. And, uh, you know, that's kind of been information security a little bit, right? In, in the turn, it, it became kind of militarized in a bunch of ways. After 9-11, kind of, there was a whole cyber industrial complex. It just, it's just like there's a cyber it's just like a military industrial complex, but it is all virtual, right? And at any rate, you know, that, that kind of culture has kind of bled over. And we worked very hard to be an antidote to a lot of that in our approach. So rather than approaching everything in, in ways that were really kind of driven by force, right? You know, we have to enforce security and, and, and make people do these things. And we've been a company that has been successful because we, we really wanted to empower, empower folks to be productive in the ways that they wanted to to be with the tools they wanted to use, right? If they want to use phones, if they want to use cloud applications and so forth, that's what we would enable uh, for organizations to be able to safely and successfully with their users. And so we, we leaned in heavily to how we built this team in a way that was reflective of that with a focus on building the most diverse team possible. You know, I wouldn't say we succeeded. I'd say you're, you're, you're never, I don't know any organizations that <laughs> can say they're 100%. And even 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 if you did, you, it's always still a work in progress trying to figure how you cultivate new perspectives, ideas, frameworks, experiences, mental models in your in your business to be able to solve you know, these problems from, from multiple angles. But, but we did have a clear focus on that. And a lot of it came down to things we, we did work to sponsor or help start. You know, we, we, we sponsored uh, a number of new conferences, right, that were really positioned very differently than, than others that, that really were sort of the old guard, right, of, of, of this industry. Conferences like Usix Enigma, right, that, you know, worked really, really hard to coach people into presentation, right, for the first time. Folks who had something to share, but maybe have not had a lot of experience doing so. We, we helped folks who, you know, were trying to write books, right? And, 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 you know, representing a whole bunch of different perspectives in, in security to, because representation matters, right? It matters who you see doing these things to inspire you uh, to maybe consider them yourself. And so we worked really hard to basically cultivate a community that would become customers and would reshape how buyers would understand this technical problem that we were approaching of, of security. Because in this modern modern day, security really exists at the intersection of people and technology. When when attack when smart attackers go after people versus systems, networks, and applications, 
you know, we actually have to design security for people. And that requires a very different degree of empathy and design that you know, we had to go about very intentionally. So this is all I'll say that whether it's again from founders, you know, kind of starting the company to building teams and trying to seek people out, you know, kind of join that journey with us to the vendors and partners that would support us to the customers, right? That would we would ultimately serve you know, at each step, the degree of engagement we had and going out of a way to help all those stakeholders be successful that led to our success. I know sometimes this stuff feels really abstract, like, you know, it's a good thing to do, you know, but you know, how does it actually lead to business success? I don't know. You sort of have to trust in the process. Like my, my dad was a Buddhist and he used to talk, tell me, you know, he believed very deeply in karma, but he used to tell me that if you're a, a good person and you, you, you do well by others, the universe will let you starve. And so we always have taken that to heart. And, you know, we've, we've had kind of mantras here of a like like our sales team has a has a motto of help help ask, you know before we ask our customers for anything we were always there first to help and then help again right and and, and you know as Duo and now as Cisco right, we've done that right with the coronavirus Cisco and, and Duo showed up giving our products away for free to help customers as they had to quickly figure out how to enable safe access for all their employees who are now going remote Cisco itself is you know billions right into uh, aid for its customers from a financial point of view and you know previously has put hundreds of millions into uh, some of its its community efforts and, and do it similarly like you know in, in this turn you know we've worked really hard to in this past week you know I'm very proud to say that you know duo employees and founders with with the Cisco match we've raised three hundred three hundred thousand dollars to give to a lot of the uh, the players in this 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 current fight and uh, it's very important I think that people understand that you know a company is just people and you know a technology business at the end of the day really still is about people and uh, people don't exist in a vacuum they live in the messy and difficult realities of, of of these communities and this world we live in and so you know as, as, as leaders we have a responsibility to use our platform to lead and uh, and i argue for those of you that are founders around this journey you know, think about that responsibility one day you will be successful and uh, your responsibility is, you know, you, you didn't get there by yourself, right? All, all these folks, that's like we talked about, you know, led to that. Your, your job is to reach a hand back and, and help all those to help you to that point. And, and that's, how, that's how an economy comes together. That's how a, a society comes together, right? For a shared success that really benefits all. Something I always wanted to ask Doug was, what is it about Ann Arbor that made it possible for them to grow a company that big here in Ann Arbor? And then what would cause it to backslide and not be a place where that was possible in the future? Yeah, I get asked the question sometimes, like, why Ann Arbor? You know, like when we were raising money early, if investors would come to us, they'd ask, you know, so when do you plan to leave Michigan, right? As if it's a foregone conclusion, right? <laughs> were, uh, I guess their, their interpretation of kind of what was going on at the time with Detroit and everything was, you know, that, you know, everyone was leaving and, you know, we'd be the last ones that turned lights off. Which I found super offensive, and that's that's where quite a number of even very very famous <laughs> investors I've uh, had some pretty sharp words with on that topic. But what has kept us here, and what what has allowed us to grow? What why Ann Arbor in particular has been one of the most fertile kind of environments, right, for us to build this company, is because of the history, its history, and and some of its culture, frankly. And, and I've kind of described before. Kind of freaks, geeks, and jocks. You know, <laughs> think about like what Ann Arbor is about. It's a you know, Ann Arbor is a city, right? In the '60s, was literally it was the birthplace of the student anti-war movement. 
leading to sometimes some pretty radical kind of things like the, the what underground, but, but also like the white Panthers and John Sinclair and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, you think about all that, you know, it was, uh, it was that, but also all the culture production, right. It's also the birthplace, uh, really of American punk rock, you know, Iggy pop and, you know, Stooges, you know, MC five, all this. And so there's a countercultural kind of element, right. Which is kind of the instinct toward rebellion, toward, positive change toward you know an ideal world right and this is exactly what kind of i think the same kind of impetus anyway behind kind of founders right who have the impatience with the way you know with the status quo and the way things are the other is obviously you know it's it's cultural learning so that's what this place is about with university being the largest employer and the cottage industry and so there's just a lot of geeks a lot of geeks you know a lot of folks who are really about like one thing and they'll, they'll do it to the hilt and you know you, you go to any bar night well maybe not right now but you know <laughs> any bar night in uh, in Ann arbor you're gonna you're gonna end up meeting like some or hearing you know probably a bunch of geeks geeking out about something geeky it, you know what better sort of talent pool to draw from than people who are you know seeking to to learn to, to become masters right of something and, and who actually respect that respect the kind of interdisciplinary exchange of ideas because that's as steve Jobs says you know that's what creativity is right just smashing ideas from different domains together and the last is you know being the team the team right the, the winningest college football program in history and you know i think there's a lot to be said for that more broadly here in michigan right michigan is more of a kind of blue collar kind of culture more of a beer state than a wine state and I think, you know, that matters. You know, you win the team, you lose the team. And whether it's companies like Arbor Networks I built before or, or, or Duo, you know, we've had these unparalleled kind of retention rates uh, because people do invest in their communities. They do invest their lives in these journeys. And, and it's historical, right? Even well ahead of us, you know, the history of entrepreneurship and industry here in Michigan led to families, entire generations of families or Ford families or GM families and so forth, right? And, you know, the birthplace of the American labor movement, all this, there's just so much teamwork, right? In, in all that. And, um, and so, anyway, so th- those are things I think make Ann Arbor successful that we can't lose. But what, what threatens that? What threatens that sort of kind of mix, right? Of, of, of freaks, kind of geeks and jocks, you know, diversity perspectives, you know, the drive to, to learn together from each other and to, to work as a team. It's the fact that Washington County is the eighth most economically segregated county in America. It's the fact that from development policy, development affordability, and public transit, you know, those three things work hand in hand, or they, they tear a, a, a city apart when they're not coordinated. And we're sort of at that point now, right, where we're seeing that service workers, right, having a difficulty living in the communities which operate. And, you know, we're not to the point like they got to in San Francisco where they had to put all the police... <laughs> Or, or or teachers, right? Literally on an island, or uh, you know these these outlying communities, having to drive in. But we're not very far from it. You know, it's 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 getting worse by the day, and uh, we have to figure out how uh, in our civic lives come together, right? We have to reject the, the the polarization. There's never been a time where it feels like we've been this country been more at war with itself. And uh, I don't think it's helped by by this vacuum of political leadership, or or, or not even a vacuum. It's sort of a, a very pointed political leadership that's basically fomenting civil war. We have to reject all that and come together in our local communities to reassert that a community is about people over politics. And and so I do think that, you know, it is a time for, for folks to get involved at a, you know, at any level, but particularly at a local level, 
to to build justice right in our own communities uh, as much as as we, we think about kind of this on a larger scale because again you know this, this kind of these kind of injustices these kind of things they start at home in our, in our backyards in our communities and so so I, I would argue strongly that you know for folks who are thinking about you know what it takes for success in their lives careers and you know in their businesses that uh, you, you can't divorce things things entirely you you have to figure out how to intersect the needs of your business the needs of your community and find those those opportunities for shared success again where a uh, a rising tide can float all boats and and that's how you achieve scale right otherwise you're doing it the hard way, right? You can't, you know, no, no, no business that, that stands up in a community trying to be extractive, right? Take but never give is going to go very far. All right. So 10 years ago, Doug and his wife, Lynn, start thinking about how to have the biggest impact on the local community. And they come up with this concept for the Ann Arbor Entrepreneurs Fund. Its mission is almost exactly what we're talking about in this episode. So I wanted Doug to kind of explain the origin of it. So uh, even before we started Duo, you know, I had this idea that we would work to create a fund here to basically have equity in all the startups that were produced out of this this fine city. And the idea there was basically to align the interests, right, of, of town and gown. As, as companies kind of are produced out of kind of the crucible, that's university uh, and all that talent or, or the surrounding, you know, kind of tech community, that basically, you know, the city would have literally a vested interest right in in its in, in the success of those companies by actually having some ownership and so the idea was that for every new company that, that that started we'd have founders put in a percent of the company to be held by this community foundation so that when those companies exited and when there was a successful return to investors to employees to founders there would also be a successful return to the community and at any rate we didn't get that off the ground 10 years ago because my wife and I, well, when we started Duo, my, my wife was six months pregnant and uh, uh, it was also already already sort of a dicey situation uh, to kind of do that as we were burning down our savings and my wife's belly was getting bigger. But yeah, with, with Duo, you know, things got busy really quickly. And so though we had actually established the fund at the Community Foundation, you know, I didn't have the time, nor did quite a number of folks that we, we tried to pull in at that time. To get off the ground to see it happen, and so you know, fast forward ten years later, you know, Duo that company started back then ended up exiting for you know over two billion, and so you know, I put a million toward the the fund to kind of get it started, hire full time executive director, recruit a bunch of companies. We now have you know well over twenty companies and climbing that all joined as members. And uh, the hope here again is that we we build a shared success for our tech community, as well as the broader community in which we're situated. But there's a benefit, actually, to those companies as well. And the reason why why those founders join is because of really three things. You know, one, it creates an instant sort of social circle for them of other CEOs that are in that same journey with them at various stages, of, of other investors, and uh, whether they be angels that are previously founders who have exited or, or venture capitalists, you know, we have a number of those as well. But it's basically a, a circle of, of trusted advisors and peers, potentially mentors, who can who can actually be helpful. The second is that it provide, it's meant to provide a uh, a little bit of a platform for service in the community that that can actually benefit employees. And so, as founders, we often build our companies to be platforms of opportunity for our our employees as well as the communities uh, in which we operate. The Entrepreneurs Fund actually creates a mechanism for that through service, right? Where various opportunities for us to go and show up at nonprofits in the area and so forth with our teams is uh, is actually a benefit to founders who, who otherwise wouldn't have time to go and build their own sort of corporate social responsibility plans and activities and 
events uh, or, or resources, right, to staff that. But then there's a third, and the third is really, you know, the again that closing the loop on the positive contribution of these companies and their exits, right, feeding back into a shared success for all, and and that's something that I think we should all be invested in as founders and as you know, company builders. We when we are successful, there needs to be a larger success that comes of it, and again, the community foundation provides a really nice way for for that philanthropy to happen you know, along the way and at the end for, for the trajectories of those companies and those founders who otherwise will have to figure out this stuff on their own. And so that's, that's really been the goal in trying to build a community of philanthropy amongst tech founders around our community here in Ann Arbor. Let me tell you the reason that I personally joined the Entrepreneurs Fund, and it's related to point number two that Doug said about creating service opportunities for tech founders. Believe it or not, as exciting as your startup is, if it's all you think about and do, you become an incredibly boring person. And so in that moment, the Ann Arbor Area Community Foundation is providing incredible service to you by giving you really easy options for getting involved with things that are bigger than yourself. It's not just that volunteering and service projects are nice things to do and morally correct. It's that they make you better at your job and in your personal relationships. It's this virtuous cycle that there's no on-ramp for unless you go to church, or work really hard to seek it out. So Doug, I really appreciate you guys providing an on-ramp for our community to engage with the community in that way. And just in case you're interested in joining, check out the show notes. And I want you to hear from Trista, who's the executive director of the A2EF. Hi, I'm Trista Vantine. I'm the director of the Ann Arbor Entrepreneurs Fund. We want all company builders to join A2EF and come help us build the Ann Arbor Entrepreneurs Fund into a network of founders and aspiring founders who create stronger connections to one another and to our city. To become a member of A2EF, you can go to a2entrepreneursfund.org and start the process of making a pledge directly online. And then a member of our team will reach out to you to discuss that pledge further. Okay, last question for Doug. What's one habit that anyone can cultivate to become a better leader? Being an active listener and actively helping connect people, opportunity, dollars. This is what it means to be a, a productive member of this society, right? Of, of, of fellow travelers, right? And entrepreneurship, because that's how that help finds its way back to you. And, and so you do have to pay it forward and it, you do have to give first and you have to trust that it will, will come back. But that is actually a behavior and a skill that you do have to cultivate. You only get good at what you practice. And so, you know, if you're not good at that, if you're not a great networker, right, as people say, whatever, you know, it's, it's not because you haven't learned how to hand out your, your business cards, it's not because you haven't learned how to pitch yourself. Dude, over 10 years later, I still don't have like a, a solid like elevator pitch for Duo. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. And my, my, my PR folks would attest to that. Like every time I have to talk to uh, journalists, whatever, it, it change, I change it up. But what I, I do feel like I, I do a decent job of, but it's taken a lot of time, is to, to try to be a thoughtful listener, to try to really empathize, right? Empathy is not caring about other people. It's about trying to see things from their point of view. And it takes time and, and practice to try to be able to do that well, and then to be able to try to connect folks. But that's something I would encourage people to try to do. That's what pays dividends, right? Because, you know, you, like my dad used to tell me, you got nothing in your life, but your, your good name and reputation. Be thoughtful. Be thoughtful about what life and legacy you're building. 
you know, for yourself, for your, your family, for your, your kids, for your, your loved ones, for your friends, for your coworkers, for your community. At the, at the end of the day, that's, that's all we got, right? All our, our, our stories and what help we've been able to provide in this world and hopefully leaving it a better place than we found it. So that's how you do that, right? By being proactive. And, and as we say at Duo, being kinder than necessary, going out of your way to help each other be successful. Doug, thanks for being such a great leader in all the communities that you're a part of. This is the last episode of Finding Your Venture for 2020. Uh, this podcast is funded by the University of Michigan Center for Academic Innovation for two more years. And so we'll definitely be back next spring with more lessons and stories. The podcast is designed like a Wikipedia page. You can scan the episode titles and get the gist of the message. But if you see something interesting, you can click, go deeper and listen. This year, we made an effort to feature more diverse set of storytellers, and we're going to continue to try to do better in that in the years ahead. I learned so much from the students in the course and the people that I meet in doing this podcast. And building those relationships is far and away the number one reason why we teach. And teaching and creating has been the antidote for me to the gusher of bad news and fear that you get when you read the news. I'd say I just want to close this season by saying people are good. You're never going to regret investing time and resources into relationships with the people around you. Thanks for spending this time listening to the stories that I think are important. And if there's anything I can do to help you on your journey, I hope you won't hesitate to reach out. Mm -hmm.